0: Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful?
1: I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps.
2: Stamp collecting happens
1: when we dream together.
3: Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 187. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. I'm Cash. I'm Scott. I'm Mark. And this is Tom. Well, we're going to work on a little bit of a new format today. we got a whole bunch of news and notes and things like that to cover. So uh, the first thing we're going to do is this week in history, August 19th, saw the first race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in uh, 1909, which is now home of the world's most famous motor racing event, the Indianapolis 500. The Speedway was started as a testing facility for Indianapolis's growing automobile industry and was built on three hundred and twenty-eight acres of farmland.
2: Seemed like a lot. Three hundred and twenty eight acres.
1: Well, you know you gotta have room for the fans.
2: That's half a square mile. Is it? Yeah. How
0: big was Woodstock? No,
2: no, no, it's it's a third of a square mile. It's a third of a square mile.
3: I don't remember. I know, my dad, I know my dad lived on two and a half acres a long time ago, and I know it took me a long time to mow it, so 328 <laughs> yeah, seems huge to
2: me. Yeah, yeah, it is.
3: Well, it was the idea of local businessmen that occasional races would be held at the track, and after the race, attendees could go and visit the various showrooms of the manufacturers, which I think is a pretty clever idea.
2: Well, also the fact that they didn't have a lot of manufacturers.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, that and the fact that anybody could get in and build their own car.
3: <laughs> well, the track is 440 yards long. A quarter
1: quarter mile. Is that what that is? That's a quarter mile. Well,
3: from start to finish, and it consisted of two long and two short straightaways connected by four turns. Isn't, that, isn't it called the square oval? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first race on August 19th, 1909, was five miles in length and was won by an Austrian engineer named Louis Schwitzer with an astonishing, at least by 1909 standards, average speed of 57.4 miles per hour.
1: Because, you know, they actually thought at one time that by going 50 miles an hour or more, you would actually ruin, uh, ruin your internal organs and die.
2: Well, that was true. That's true. Yeah, that happened to me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so oh, my by, by the way, Lewis Marks a zombie. L-
2: Lewis Switcher, he took his winnings, his winning money, and invested in a tube sock uh, factory, building the first Austrian tube socks.
3: Well, he was an engineer, so I imagine they must be very good socks.
2: It <laughs> was a good factory design. They're still around today. Do a search on Google for uh, Austrian tube socks.
3: I promise I will maybe do that.
1: <laughs> I promise I will not do that.
3: Well, the event, which was attended by 12,000 people, was run on a track surface of crushed rock and tar, which proved to be an absolutely disastrous idea because the track was breaking down in several locations and the race caused the death of two drivers, two mechanics, and two spectators.
2: Yeah, it wasn't even safe for those bystanders. And a par tree.
1: 12,000 people in 1909. That was a lot of people. That's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's not that many deaths for that many people. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually a low percentage. Yeah, it's fairly acceptable.
3: (laughs) Well, the surface was replaced with 3.2 million paving bricks laid into bed of sand and fixed with mortar. And now dubbed the Brickyard, it was reopened in 1909, December 1909. But due to low attendance, the track owners decided in 1911 to switch to one long race event per year with a larger prize.
2: I can't now, imagine why people wouldn't show up. With was low, low, <laughs>
1: yeah. low attendance, they started out with 12,000, which was a ridiculously large number for the time.
2: And then killed two of them. And then
1: killed two of them. So what was low attendance? 10,000?
3: I don't know. Maybe it went down to five. Maybe it went down to one or two. And they died. Well, May 30th, 1911 marked the debut of the 500-mile race we now know as the Indianapolis 500. The grueling race drew media attention from around the country and was a hit with audiences. Ray Haroon was the winner in a time of 6 hours and 42 minutes and an average speed of 74.59 miles per hour. The prize for all that driving, $14,250, which was probably a decent
1: chunk of change in
2: 1911. Oh, yeah.
1: 74.59 miles an hour. What do you do, get out and push the last mile? I don't know. but I mean, you
3: think today you drive to Vegas in four hours, and it's just like... I don't think took six hours to to drive around the track.
1: I don't think there. I don't think there was a limit on how much gas they could use at that time either. Oh, probably
3: not. The race has been run every year since, with the exception nineteen seventeen and nineteen eighteen, and then nineteen forty two to nineteen forty five, due to um, surprisingly Damn or not surprisingly
2: Nazis and Germans.
3: Yeah, World War One and World War Two.
2: Actually, World War One, we can blame that on the Austrians.
3: Yes, and so you have. Now, with an average attendance exceeding four hundred thousand people, it's the best
1: attended event in the United States sports. Is that a the best attended annual event, or is just a single event?
2: The Indianapolis Five Hundred is once yeah. a year.
1: I understand that, but it, it's well, I mean, if you if you counted all
3: the football games and all the stadiums of a sixteen week season, I imagine it exceeds. Well beyond four hundred thousand. Well, but you know you had but for that many for that many people in one sports venue.
1: Which you had the Million Man March. That's
2: no, more than four hundred. Not
3: a sporting, not a sporting event.
2: Yeah, we, we can't count uh, stamp shows in there either.
3: What about the Olympics?
2: That's not a sporting event.
3: I don't know if there any of their stadiums in the Olympics have ever been able to exceed four hundred thousand people. I don't
1: know if the venue can handle that many. No, exactly. But this one can.
0: Now, during the Warriors, why didn't they do like they did with baseball and have women do the racing? I imagine it would
3: probably be a gas and steel issue. Manufacturing the cars and the gas and the rubber for the tires and stuff would be my guess. I I would assume most
1: of the cars were probably already existing. Could be. But they may not have been manufacturing these new cars. But the gas and the tires is a really good point. And that, and the, and uh, more than likely, anybody with that kind of mechanical expertise was actually drafted. That could be too. Yeah,
3: no mechanics. Car broke down. this push it over to the side. You're out. <laughs> well, the track has been repaired and paved, and repaired and paved until so the last of the original bricks were covered in 1961, all except for the three foot section at the start finish line, serving as a nostalgic reminder of the track's history. On September 25th, 1987, as part of the transportation issue, the racing car 1911 stamp was issued. Stamp is Scott number 2262 and features Ray Haroon's number 32 Marmon Wasp, which is the winning car of the first Indianapolis 500. Does anybody know that?
1: I do now. I do now.
3: I didn't you know, know that
0: before before this, no.
3: Yeah, cuz it just says racing car 1911. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what do you know? That stamp was designed by Tom Brode and accommodated the growing number of mailers who were utilizing the zip plus four pre-sort
1: requirements. So that's an unusual stamp because it has a fractional value. Yeah, it's 17.5 cents, 17.5 cents, right? 5 cents which, uh, yeah, earlier stamps, we saw the half-cent and the one-and-a-half-cent and, a half cent and uh, the four-and-a-half-cent up through the prexy. And then you had fractionals in the 60s, the one and a quarter and the four and a half and the one and a half in the Liberty Series. But really, since then, we haven't had fractional issues until the transportation coils came out. Right. And okay. those were mostly for the discount rates that were given to large bulk mailers.
0: And these were odd fractions, too. 8.4%, some of them were. 24.1 uh, cents.
1: I mean, I, I look at some of the ones, and the, one of the reasons why they don't put values on the stamps today why they just say pre-sorted or bulk rate or something like that is because they really don't want the public to know how much discount these bulk big bulk mailers are getting because oh, that's it's, funny because we're paying 50 50 cents for a first class letter and some of these mailers are paying less than 10 cents in well, some cases less than five cents
2: we pay 25 cents because we buy our discount postage
1: I'm not talking about you, Cash.
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I'm talking about the general public. The first class first class mail rate is fifty cents. So that's what you have to put on an envelope. It's not what you pay for the postage. It's what you put on the envelope.
3: Well, the 1911 stamp was uh, printed by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Uh, was engraved via the intaglio process. Did I say that right? I think it's intaglio. Oh. Sorry. I think the G is silent. Just like in tube sock.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, the stamp was issued in unused coils of 100 and pre-canceled coils of 500 and 3,000, which doesn't that pale in comparison to our one-cent pairs? Weren't those like rolls of 10,000 or something? Yeah.
1: yeah, but they were um, – a lot of stamps now are produced – well, they still produce stamps in rolls of 100, 500, 1,000, and 3,000. As well as the ten thousand, uh,
3: the stamp also has a two listed varieties: the untagged variety, which is twenty two sixty two A, with a red bureau pre-cancel zip plus four pre-sort, and an imperfect pair, which is uh, Scott number
1: 2262 B. Interesting with the uh, with the red pre-sort uh, zip plus four. Over um, printing on it uh, you have to have a special mailers permit to use those whereas the one without that you can use on any any mail that you have.
3: Oh really? Yeah. But you can't use the pre-sort? They'll bust you for that?
1: Uh, well they'll, they'll basically say it's not valid for postage uh-huh. because you don't hold a mailers permit.
0: But in the uh, direct mail manual um, which I think is... Uh the section is P023. It talks about how stamp collectors can use pre sorted stamps for mailing uh, first class and priority you just as have long to make, as you have a permit, which and, is free.
1: And you have to make it add up to at least 50 cents, uh, at least the first class rate, which is currently 50 cents.
0: So, so if you go to the post office, ask for form 3615.
3: We're a font of knowledge today, aren't we?
1: <laughs> and it's all about stamp collecting.
3: Yeah, amazing. On May 20th, 2011, the Indianapolis 500 Centenary stamp was uh, issued, uh, Scott number 4530, and it was a 44-cent forever stamp. And this stamp is uh, basically the same as the racing car stamp almost, except it uh, has Ray Haroon in the car driving the Marmon Wasp. uh, So it's exactly the
0: same car... It's a picture of the same car, yeah. Yeah, I didn't recognize that that fact when when the stamp came out.
3: Yep. By the way, just so everybody knows, um, we're going to be doing a few changes, and uh, stampshowheretoday.com's website is going to be starting to be updated significantly here. And all the images of the stamps we're talking about today will be up on stampshowheretoday.com if you want to see them. Excellent. Something I noticed when I was doing some research on this. NASCAR, Indy racing, Formula One is huge in the United States. Very much so. Drag racing, too. Drag racing, NHRA. There are these two Indy car stamps, and the, one the first one, the 1911, you figure, really isn't even... I mean, it doesn't say anything. It just says racing car. Yeah. So that's all you get. Other than that, the Scott 3187N... From the 1950s, I think it was the 1950s. um, Celebrate the Century. Celebrate the Century sheet is stock car racing. There are no other racing stamps that have been issued.
0: There's the muscle car issue, but but that's not not racing. Yeah. Well,
3: there's also um, the muscle cars, uh, which are uh, Scott numbers 4743 to 4747. And then in 2014, they did the hot rod stamps. Which are forty nine oh eight and forty nine oh nine respectively, and but those two, again, not racing. It just seems. I mean, there's like football. Do they have football stadiums? I know they have baseball stadiums.
1: No, I don't think. I don't
2: think I've no, seen that. Well, yet. they just have stadiums, but.
3: But there's a lot of various yeah football stamps and stuff like out there. It's just like and
0: baseball stamps, yeah.
3: NASCAR and racing is so huge. It surprised me that there's so few US racing stamps. And I say US because if you look in their other countries there's tons. But the US only has 3 that I could find specific racing stamps.
1: That's interesting.
0: And yet how many stamps are have quilting on them?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's more popular than
1: racing. And on to the next topic. And now
3: we're going to uh, go into some news and notes. Cash is going to cover some interesting stuff that we found.
2: News and notes. Canada Post announced nominees for the E-Commerce Innovations Awards. The winner will receive $100,000 in free shipping along with, quote-unquote, valuable marketing packages. I put the quote-unquote in there. And will be named one of Canada's top retailers. With, can- with categories such as Social Impact Award, Most, uh, Most Disruptive Startup. I, wanna, I really
1: want to see the winner of that one. Yeah.
2: And Pure Play of the Year, among others. Pure Play? Uh, it sounds kind of uh, subjective to me. The winner will be announced September 20th during an event at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel in downtown Toronto. I want to know more about this contest, especially what is pure play? What is most
3: disruptive startup?
2: Well, yeah, most disruptive startup. That's a.
3: So I'm looking through news stuff and I was trying to find some some new issues coming out. And I went over to Canada Post's website and this was actually on their one of their media release pages. And I'm like, I'm reading this and I'm like, what is this? And how what is this about? And how do these retailers get into this? I want to know about this contest. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars in free shipping is a lot of freaking money,
2: right? It, That's a lot of shipping. It appears to be just for obviously e-commerce. So, I mean, well, but they eBay? have they have they have like Amazon.
3: Long, they have awards, and these were just the most interesting topics that I found. But they have like big business retailers, small business retailers. Like one of the finalists is Best Buy in Canada <laughs> okay. for like large retailer. Yeah, and I'm just like. I got to find more about this. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, stay tuned because I'm going to dig out what this is and and find out what's going
2: on because this is just too weird. Well, let's move on to something that isn't weird. I was
0: going to say that if the Social Impact Award is negative social impact, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's move on to something that's uh, not so
2: weird. Uh, The U.S. Postal Service is to release Hot Wheels 50th Anniversary stamps. In celebration of the 50th anniversary of Hot Wheels, the USPS has announced a set of 20 stamps featuring 10 images of Hot Wheel cars showcasing the photography of Len Reese. Now, this is really cool. I stumbled across this. I'm like, Hot
0: Wheels? These stamps are awesome.
3: And how did they manage to do this during, like, this week in history with the Indianapolis 500? Oh, yeah,
2: perfect timing. Each design will feature one of the 10 cars on the iconic... Orange Hot Wheel track. Yeah, I had uh, about 50 strips of that when I was growing up. Only 50? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The name of the vehicle will appear in one of the top corners, and USA and Forever will appear in one of the bottom corners. The Hot Wheels logo will appear at the top right corner of the pane, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The cars are interesting, and me and Mark were talking about this at lunch. Um, they have like the Purple Passion and the Rockaby Baby and uh, the Shark Cruiser and try stuff like again.
1: That. That's not the Rockaby Baby. That's the Rocket Baby. Mm. Rocket Baby. By. Oh,
2: Come oh. on. Oh, Rocket by Baby. But
1: you got to tell them what years these are from too.
2: I uh, yeah, but they're from 1974 to 2006. But the years really don't matter. That's because
1: That's not true. There, there's they, one from 2018
2: on there. There is. Which one from the two- Mach Speeder? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And well, then
1: the 1929 twin mill was before 1974.
2: No, um, they they came out in 1967, and that's the thing with like yeah, There der- there's no
3: 1929 in there. I'm Like, holy, I said 69, I said 29.
2: You said 29, I meant <laughs> But the 1968 surfboard toting Diora is what it's just, the Diora. It's actually the Diora two. It's not the Diora one. And I'm kind of curious because Hot Wheels came out with 16 original cars in 1967. Why didn't they put those on there? None of them are on there now. I, I understand why some of them, like there's a Mustang, and you probably have a whole bunch of the marketing. The hot and hot stuff. Wheels has
3: probably done eighty five hundred Mustangs, though.
2: Well, yeah, but you putting it on a postage stamp, you probably have a problem with the Mustang and the Barracuda and the stuff. But they have they have like a the a hot rod. It's just a generic hot rod and stuff like that. they could have put a couple of the first issue ones on here, and they didn't and even the diora that they put on it is not the nineteen sixty eight diora it's misidentified it's actually the later one the Uh-oh. nineteen the nineteen sixty eight diora is totally different it's got a square front instead of the round front
3: so well, we'll have images, but i uh, I need to get some better images of the individual ones because all I found so far was uh an image of the pain of six and it's really small. So it's hard to make them all out.
2: Yeah, I was looking, I at think that.
3: Mark found some, he showed me some, uh, some bigger images. So hopefully we'll have those up soon. But yeah, come on. The rigor mortar. Oh, the rigor yeah. motor. <laughs> oh, it's
2: shaped like a coffin. That's,
3: that's a fun car.
2: It's totally, you know, w- what's the, uh, cards that they used to have in the wacky packs that had the, uh, weird car names in them. I mean, Hot Wheels used to jump all over those. But an interesting thing about Hot Wheels, Scott, ask me what this has to do with stamp collecting. I'm afraid to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what does this have to do with stamp collecting?
2: Hot Wheels is going through exactly the same sort of stuff that stamp collecting is. Um, uh, there's two things. First of all, you uh, people collect Hot Wheels in their packages. So they like collecting errors. So you'll have a, a car that is missing the front wheels, and they'll go, oh, my God, look at this. This car went out of the factory missing its two front wheels. Well, the problem is is you can take out How on earth
3: did the, it roll off the assembly line?
2: Yeah, or get through the. It the, definitely didn't roll. What they, did, what they would do is they'd take acetone on the back and they'd lift the plastic off. Then they'd pull the car out, snip off the two front wheels, put it back in, reseal it, and say, hey, look, here's an error. And, you know, you have the same problems with uh, fakery like that. There's a lot of stuff like that. If you can open the package, take out the car, and then mess with the car. Uh, on uh, YouTube, there was a person who was... Matchbox sells their cards the same way Hot Wheels does, except Matchbox cars face left, Hot Wheels always face right. So a person was really, really impressed that he found a Hot Wheels car that was accidentally put in backwards, and it was facing left. And everybody pointed out, yeah, you want another one? Send me as many blister packs as you want. I'll open them up, turn the car around, and send it off. And uh, it's exactly the same thing with stamp collecting, trying to you know figure out the fakery and the chicanery. The second one is that people are restoring Matchbox cars. They're stripping off the, the uh, paint, refinishing it, and then painting it again so it has nice, clean colors. They even take the plastic, and they clean and polish the plastic so all the windshields are nice and clean and don't show anything. And it's really when I was watching the latest one, it was like that's reperfing and regumming. That's exactly what we are going through with stamp collecting, except with matchbox or I'm sorry, well yeah, with matchbox, with matchbox and hot wheels, it's accepted as long as it's disclosed and it doesn't devalue the car that much. And I thought that was very interesting.
1: Well, it's accepted with stamps if it's disclosed. It does
2: devalue it. but Oh, it it devalues it it horrendously.
1: But it is acceptable, especially if you have a rare item. And if you're talking about postal history, repairs to the cover, those are very acceptable as long as it's disclosed.
2: Yeah, they are more interested in how the car looks than how authentic it is
1: sounds at like a certain point. unsophisticated.
0: <laughs> right. Is there an expertizing opportunity here?
2: Actually, there probably is.
1: I don't
3: know, collectors universe is probably doing it now.
2: Yeah. I don't know how you would seal them or, you know, it would be impossible to give a certificate on it unfortunately.
0: I wouldn't mind looking at Hot Wheels cars all day.
2: Yeah. So anyway, you
3: people just sit there and hold them with tongs and spin the wheels, <laughs> make sure all the wheels work, uh, make yeah. sure
0: they're balanced.
2: So, yeah, people who, uh, you know, stamp collectors collect other stuff. If you're out wandering around, uh, the original 16 cars, you can pull, uh, pull up a list of them. And they have wheels. It, the real big giveaway is they have wheels that have a red circle around them, like red walls. They, those were from 1967 up to 1977. And that's basically what they consider the classic era of Hot Wheels.
1: Well that's when I would have been a kid and yep. and I know I had many of them. Oh and they all... I'm sure my parents either threw them away or sold them in a the garage sale for you know a dime apiece.
2: And even if you still had them, they were played with. Yeah. <laughs> well my oh I guarantee that
1: none of them had good wheels on them.
3: Yeah. My my two daughters, they probably have 50 or 60 Hot Wheels cars. Yep. And they're just all piled in a freaking
1: bin.
2: Well, that's how you find yep. them. That's how you, But that's also why restoration is uh, as popular as it is.
1: Just like with real cars.
2: Yeah. And if Dawn was here and she heard that they had a uh, 1967 Redline Mustang, she'd go, oh, I want to get one.
3: She's so into Mustangs, I can't believe we're talking about the Indy 500 and, and Hot Wheels in yeah. this th- episode that she misses. Yeah. Sorry, Dawn.
2: Sorry. Yeah, You just price-wise, too. Uh, all the cars that are pictured on the U.S. stamps are cheap. They're all inexpensive cars.
1: Well, but that's as it should be because you want to popularize something that if you get somebody interested in it, you want them to be able to acquire those. You don't necessarily want to show the most rare stamp. There's only one of a kind out there. And well, you don't want to yeah. use that as your big Fish hook to catch people.
2: Yeah, but you could have put some of the ones up that are, you know, in the $100 range. Yeah, you could have put You range. could
1: have put a one or two of the more rare ones in there. But you, again, not having all rare items I think is a good thing.
2: Yeah, well,
3: well, but now, now for me, it's like now that I know that it's out there because I'd never heard of it. I mean, the 19, 1987, the shark cruiser.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> now you got to have one.
3: Aileen is totally into sharks and fish and stuff like that. I'm like, I gotta find her a shark shark cruiser.
2: She'll flip. So if you go to uh, swap meet or something, now you know everything about Hot Wheels, or at least enough to get you into trouble.
0: And if you're a topical collector that collects only shark. Car hybrids. Well, what if you just collect fish? <laughs> you, <laughs> you,
2: I have a complete set of one. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: But if you collect sharks and you collect cars on stamps, oh. this is this like the pinnacle. This goes on the top of the first page. <laughs> what a
2: crossover! Well, you, they also put one out the 2006 Bone Shaker. So, uh, well,
3: but I, the Rigger Motor. I mean, for those who collect. Uh, Coffins on stamps. I'm not sure that's a big topic. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Morning covers right. and morticians. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And just cu- uh, if you're curious, the art director for the stamps is William uh, Gicker. And uh, the designer and topographer, t- 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 typographer, typographer, typo- no, typ- typo- typographer, typog no, typography, typographer, typographer, isn't that a person who figures out how tall mountains are? That's a cartographer. Cartographer. Oh, okay.
1: No, a typographer. Or a topographic map. Uh, a, a typographer figures out what type your stamps are.
2: Well, anyway, Greg Breeding, I apologize. Uh, the first day ceremony will be announced, and it is coming out. When are these coming out? Uh, well, that's, they haven't announced it yet. They haven't
1: announced a date.
3: So oh, they
2: haven't announced the date.
3: So first day ceremony and location, are, they say, are going to be announced soon on the post office
2: website. Well, Trusting what the post office is doing now, it's probably going to be the closest car-related event between now and probably the beginning of November. Indianapolis 500! Is that? No, that's not in in May.
3: I'm just saying, come on.
2: But yeah, that would be a great place to do it. uh, It could be very easily a um, toy convention or something
0: like that. Could Uh, be. So, yeah, Yeah. look around. Congratulations, USPS. This is a great issue. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, they're really pretty cool-looking stamps. and I like the fact that they actually, they're not just pictures of the cars, but they actually have them on the track. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I, I, I'll have to say that knowing how much lead time they require to get a new issue out, it's a good thing we bitched about their poor stamp designs a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, you're, probably, <laughs> you're probably correct. Yeah, I do like these. The only thing that I wish they would have done is they would have had some, specifically some red lines in the, the issue.
0: Maybe they'll come out with a souvenir sheet of three. Oh
3: lenticular.
0: <laughs>
3: lenticular. <laughs> they could. They're. They're. They shows them racing down the track.
1: Oh, that would be cool. That yeah, that would be really cool.
3: Actually, no. The ultimate one would be as if they had it going like over the jump, because everyone liked to jump their Hot Wheels cars. Or, yeah. Or
1: or the loop, or the loop,
3: but the loop. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if they if they came out with like uh, oh I don't know what's a good one. The uh, the Diora with sport, uh, surfboards, and you had the surfboards on. I, I just like the Diora. It, it anybody who has never seen one before, uh, do a little Google search. The front the they have no side doors. The doors open in the front, and it opens like the back of a station wagon where the windshield goes up and then the door swings open. It's a really weird re- weird car that Dodge put out. <laughs>
3: This week, we're going to talk about uh, how much the 22-karat gold stamps are worth. Scott, you have uh, some info on that,
1: yeah? 22-karat gold stamps are not actual postage stamps with their replicas. And it was a marketing idea that uh, pretty much flopped. Uh, oh, most I sta- disagree there. Most stamp collectors are not interested in collections of gold replicas, and therefore, they do not currently hold much value. As far as value in these gold replicas, as far as value in gold uh, of these replicas, they only have a microscopic amount of gold, and so the value uh, for what they are is not very high. Uh, On eBay, you might be able to find some of these that sell for between $1 and $5, but this depends on whether there are currently collectors for them, and the subject matter is really what drives... Uh, the price on these issues. If you were to have uh, just uh, like a random commemorative, it highly depends on the subject. Uh, if it's Boy Scouts, it you might get more than $5 for it. And the, and they've also gone back and they've recreated classic stamps. So you can find the Inverted Jenny C3A on it. You can find Zeppelin stamps. You can find uh, Pan Am stamps. Stamps, you can find the inverts, things like that. Those are more in demand and can command prices from you know maybe fifteen to twenty five dollars. Well, Scott, hold
2: on. Why don't but, you describe what these actually are?
1: Well, that they're exactly what it sounds like. I mean, they're uh, gold replicas of stamps. They're basically in an envelope on a red velvet background, and it looks like the stamp was just made in twenty-two karat gold.
2: Well. They they come in covers though. Yes, they're usually first day covers. Yes, and then they have but over there's no the cancel. There's it, no
1: cancellation on them.
2: Yeah, but over on the side, instead of having a cachet, you have a gold stamp.
1: On the right side, where the stamp should be, is where the gold stamp is.
2: On, on their, the left side, on the, re, on the recreation, there are two types of gold foil stamps. One of them is for an actual issue, like the most valuable one right now that you find anywhere is the Marilyn Monroe stamp. And they sell for between 25 and $50, right? It's the Marilyn Monroe first day of issue. And then over on the left side, instead of a cache, you have a gold foil stamp. That's right. Now, when you have the inverted Jenny, then you have a picture over on the left side, like a, some sort of history picture. And then over on the right side, you have a gold foil stamp for the Jenny up where the postage stamp would normally be. So
3: they've had a a couple different types of these issues. Well, right. They have
2: two basic ones. And the one where the stamp is the replica, those are pretty damn close to valueless. It's the first day cover ones that have value. And, the big determinant on it is the topic the number two which is almost just as big is whether it's addressed or not if it's got a good topic and it's unaddressed you have something which could have value if it's addressed pretty much you know you're looking at like even though there's gold there you're probably in the twenty-five cent range, maybe. But it's 50%. more.
3: But like you know, like he said, it, it's more gold yeah. coloring than it is actual gold. Yeah. There's very little actual gold in these things.
2: Well,
0: it's, well, yeah, it's yeah. It's only a few molecules thick. Exactly. And you could, if you, if you, if it was possible to peel off, and you were to ball it up in your fingertips, it would literally disappear.
2: Yeah. By gold weight. And gold right now is about what thirteen? No, it's a twelve sixty or somewhere around there. It's not at thirteen anymore. Uh, at thirteen hundred dollars an ounce, it's got about fifteen cents worth of gold. So good luck in getting that anything much. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are some of them which are very sought after and very valuable. But a vast majority of them are not because people had them addressed. And the replicas are just—I uh, I would consider them junk.
3: But for people stumbling across these collections, you know, the typical, someone died and I inherited this, and they get these just folders full of these gold stamps, and it's like, <sighs> and it's like, and they sorry, I, they're they just are, not worth yeah. anything. They're not actual stamps,
2: and they originally cost four dollars and seventy-five cents per cover. Some of them were more because they were special issues. Well,
1: those those are the replica ones.
2: Yeah, those are the first day cover ones. No, they they were all $4.75. Um, the company that issued them basically had a flat four dollar and seventy five cent price, except that on top of that, then they charged you for the album. So, like, you get the uh, fifty um, the fifty states birds and flowers. You're paying $4.75 each cover, and then you may pay 20 bucks for the book. And then they'll give you like a 10% off, but you could be in that book for like $300, 350 And I know myself, I can buy and sell them all day unaddressed, the valuable ones, unaddressed. I get like 25 bucks for it.
1: But that's if you can find them.
2: Oh, you can find them. <laughs> there are a lot of them out there. And, you know, they sold it from on the standpoint that, wow, you know, you have your address on it. And that, you know, personalizes it to you. And one of the things about collectibles is you don't want it personalized to you. You want to be able to sell it to somebody else. You don't want, you know, nobody other than me wants an envelope that's addressed to Cash brafus
1: Well, the... The only exception to that would be if you are somebody famous, or infamous. Oh yeah, if you it, would, <laughs> it, it would be a noteworthy thing if I were to collect. Uh, if Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> gold replica, gold stamp covers addressed to, I don't know Clint Eastwood. Yeah, or, there you go. Or Marilyn Monroe. I mean, that, that yeah, that'd be that would be a whole be, different ball of wax. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
3: But for the general public, I mean, I think that goes for a lot of autograph stuff. It's like, to cash, it's been demoted <laughs> from so, those Pluto stamps. Sign Neil deGrasse Tyson. So like, that's not necessarily going to be worth as much if it were just signed,
1: Neil deGrasse Tyson. So if you're famous, collect worthless first-day covers that are addressed to you, and your heirs will make out good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, one of the uh, things that... A lot of people are smart when they're they're doing their autographs, like movie stars and stuff like that. And they will say, To Scott, glad to see you, signed Wayne Newton. Because that makes it personal to you, and it actually reduces the value. Yes. Whereas if he would have just written Wayne Newton, it would have been more collectible desire. I can see that because I don't know, you, you know... I have been asked for my autograph and I I was well, that like was just your blown kid on away.
1: No- that was just your kid on a note to get him out of school. <laughs> you know,
2: and I was blown away that anybody wanted it, but I just signed it. I mean, you know, but I could very easily see you know, oh, man, you know, stamp show here today is so incredibly successful and we're all you know on TV and access Hollywood is following us around and taking pictures of us, you know. I going to <laughs> <laughs> you know I can see then that you know when somebody mm-hmm. walks up and wants an autograph you, you sign it personal because you're not interested in like giving a person a bunch of money
1: right why don't we talk about our true subject United Kingdom Regional Stamps well I thought we've had a whole bunch of true subjects today Indy was pretty true wasn't it yeah. well, well but that was more news and notes but... I
2: never knew why they called it the Brickyard I mean, literally until today, I never realized why they called it the Brickyard.
3: Hey, until today, every, until I mentioned it a couple days ago with everybody that was going to be on the script, none of you guys knew the 1911 race car stamp had anything to do with the Indy 500.
2: That's true, but I read the script earlier, so I knew.
3: Well, that's so I said a couple <laughs> days ago. Well, Scott is correct. We are going to talk about uh, United Kingdom regional stamps. And this came about because I asked Scott one day, being of Scottish descent myself, I realize it's part of the U.K., but why doesn't Scotland have any stamps? And it turns out uh, they kind of do. Who
2: or knew? kind of.
3: Who knew? Who knew? Um, I bet you the people in Scotland knew. I bet they did. Well, the first regional stamps uh, actually started in 1958, and it was due to public demand. Well, see, Scottish guys like me go, hey, we want stamps! Modern-day William Wallace's campaigning <laughs> for stamps.
2: Wearing your kilts 400 years too early. And, right.
3: Uh, We're not talking about the movie. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The stamps were issued for various regions or countries of the United Kingdom. Uh, First regional stamps issued uh, included Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and the Isle of Man. The stamps bore the wilding portrait of Queen Elizabeth II and had various heraldic symbols or emblems of the regions they represented only sold at that time in the specific region they represented but they were valid for use throughout the entire uk
2: wilding portrait is wilding the person who engraved it or uh
3: painted it painted it oh it's, like it's the, a painting well that's yeah it's it was back back then it was a one of the typical queen elizabeth um portraits they were using for stamps
2: so they kind of like the
3: george washington
2: right the Stuart george washington you, yeah
3: you see yeah. that that that's like the one you see everywhere. Wilding
1: was the official paint portrait painter for the royal
2: family. Cool. <laughs> Never knew that. Yeah. Uh,
3: the Wilding design was replaced in 1971 with the, I'm, I may butcher this, Machin head? Machin. Machin head? I see it, well, almost, not as bad as I thought. Uh, design, which contained a single symbol in the upper left hand corner. Uh, these were issued for 30 years, though in 1973. The Isle of Man did become postally independent and started issuing their own stamps.
2: Was Machin another artist? He was actually the guy who sculpted the bust, no. of Queen Elizabeth. So Wilding paint, or was Wilding the painter, was and Machin was the sculptor. Yes. Cool.
3: Learning all sorts of new stuff today. Yeah. In 1999, with the decentralization of power from uh, Parliament to the regional legislative bodies, new designs were I- new designs were issued for Scotland and Wales, uh, and this was followed in 2001 with issues for Northern Ireland. And now, actually, they brought a fourth one back: is it uh, England itself. So they have the England regional stamps, and each region has four designs, and they all pay a specific rate and remain in use today. The designs, although being definitive, are very diverse with many catalogs not keeping up with some of the changes. I know some catalogs do. I think, Scott, you showed me some of the stuff in the Scott catalog.
1: Yeah, the Scott catalog does list something. A few years ago, they moved the heads out of the general listings and made a separate section. And they took the Scott catalog and they start the listings with uh, the MH to denote that it's head. And then they just run through and it's... And they're sorted by value face value and then the minor letters denote all the different changes well and some of those changes
3: are um, things such as the traditional Queens head that you now see in the upper right corner on the regionals they've changed from silver to white to gray some of the values on the stamps the the denominations themselves have changed
1: in in font style and font size now, with the regional issues, unlike with the Machenhead issues, uh, the catalog does list a lot of varieties. But with the regional issues, there's not so many varieties listed. Uh, I believe the Great Britain Concise, which is the basically the Gibbons Specialized Catalog for Great Britain, uh, probably has one of the better, uh, more complete listings of all, all of the varieties.
2: As one would expect.
1: As one would expect. Although, if you are a specific um, collector of Machin heads, I don't know if it would apply to the regional issues.
0: Did they issue specific colors for the regions? Uh, um, no,
1: I think it was more to conform with the UPU color schemes
3: originally. Well, I think like one of the, one of the values is for like. Um, within within the UK another value is for like throughout Europe so like each stamp had its own value of the four designs where they could be how like, what rates there they were standard for to be sent to different areas
2: you mean back then because now you have first and second right
3: yes and I think that's what they still do today is I think they have first and second, if I were to look at the... Uh, no, they uh,
2: have first and second today, but they they also have values because sometimes, obviously, you have weird values.
1: Right. It's like us using forever stamps. They, they just count as 50 cents today.
2: That's exactly correct. Where,
1: whereas, you know, if, if you have to pay a rate of 83 cents, uh, sticking two forever stamps on there basically means you're overpaying.
2: Except there's one big drawback is uh, they're forever... Until the, the Queen dies.
1: That is true. It looks like... Um, I, have, I have a question I don't know the answer to. And uh, do they demonetize their stamps when the monarch pass, monarchy passes to a new person?
2: Traditionally, yes. The question is, will they continue? Because... Since see, it's in, been so long. Well, no, in the past. Well, I'm sure that's part of past, it. In the past, inflation just made the prior stamps worthless anyway.
1: Right, and and there has to be a certain period of time right. after the passing of a monarch until they can get new stamps out as well.
2: But there's two biggies right now. First of all, the post office is not a government entity. It's a private entity. Second of yes. all, basically they have forever stamps. So they're not as tied to the queen, and they are putting themselves forward as forever are they going to say, yeah, we're forever. Oh, the queen died. Now you're all screwed. That's probably not going to occur.
1: No, but I think I think it's also likely that due to the queen's age, they probably have ready-to-go designs with who they believe is going to be the next monarch.
2: You know, I'm in line for the throne. I have a very, very small chance, but I'm on the list of the other 7.3 billion yeah, people.
1: Yeah, being po- of Polish descent, you're probably... Uh, more than a billion down on the chain. He's in line
3: for the throne, but he means the bathroom. <laughs> ah. Sorry, I lost my lost my place now. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, <laughs> um,
2: wonder why that happened. <laughs> when I when I'm the king,
0: I will uh, absolve you of oh, all your you. problems. Thank you. I'd like uh, to put in for some advertising space on Big Ben, if. Uh, you got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> uh,
3: the most recent designs in use today uh, started as borderless stamps with the color running all the way to the edge of the stamp. And this was changed in 2003 to white borders due to the lack of effectiveness of the vertical tagging on some of the darker colored stamps. That's, right. a, that's a first. I've never heard of them cha- changing something because the, the tagging was... Not as effective on the well. St- I I can tell yeah.
1: you from experience, tagging issues of Great Britain that uh, th- it can be a challenge to spot some of the tagging bands depending on the color of the stamp. So well, I can understand why they did that, and that's something that that uh, the Scott catalog doesn't cover is the difference in the tagging bands. They just, in some cases, they just mention it, and in other cases, they totally ignore it. And so if you want to really specialize in these issues, you really do either have to do your own original research or you have to find uh, another catalog
2: that would list these varieties. You know, Don brought this up last week. Why do you have block tagging? Why don't they just tag the entire sheet from margin to margin and be done with it? Why do they have just blocks on the stamp?
1: Uh well one of the reasons why is because then somebody could cut out a stamp sized piece of the selvage and use it as a stamp because it would pass right through the automatic facing and canceling machines because it would detect the tagging on the selvage.
2: Okay so let's say it doesn't use, go through the selvage. And they did they did used to do that. But why do they do block tagging just on the stamp? It can't be Was
3: that a, was that maybe an interim thing when they went from completely tagged with selvage to Yeah block tagging and now to like most of it's just pre phosphored paper now. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it stops at the
1: Actually what they do edges. A, a lot of
2: times. Well, because what they that's do now what they're is, talking here. They they say they needed the white border because the tagging was getting screwed up.
1: Well what happens is when you try to tag the stamp it, the the ink in the background kind of makes it hard to see a difference. And I guess that's because of the way it, it glows or fluoresces under ultraviolet light. I, I know I their know tagging you, is a different yeah. uh, is a different formulation than what they use in the U.S.
3: Well, you said bands earlier. We said bands. Bands usually
1: vertical strips, and usually so they don't, they're not tagged like U.S. stamps. No, and usually the way they're placed is they're placed in a strip. Uh, across the perforations of the stamp so that one strip will basically tag the edge of two adjacent stamps. Uh, and so if if all you have so are ca- the two So we're kind of like getting
3: into talking about the varnish bars from a few episodes ago. They're, they're like bars on either side?
1: Yeah, the, well, they're bars that basically follow down the perf- where it's supposed to be perforated. And, uh, I mean, they've tried... Great Britain is, has had tried various other bar tagging but that's i think what they pretty much use i know they use that in canada they've used the the bar tagging over the perforations but it's much easier to see when it's uh on a white background than no, it bet. is on yeah. another color well we also have
3: some new issues coming out the u.s is going to be issuing scott's favorite stamp the dollar fifteen global forever poinsettia stamp. Oh,
1: I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I do like <laughs> I do like the round stamps. I thought you didn't like the poinsettia when I mentioned that. I uh, I don't find it that attractive. I find it uh, to me it basically looks like a Christmas stamp. Kind of does actually. I think it's just because the poinsettia is associated so
3: much with Christmas.
1: Yeah, it's it's got the colors and the, I mean every anytime you go somewhere around that time they're prominently featured
0: it makes a lot of sense that the stamp is round being a global forever stamp but what i can't figure out is why the usps came out with the have a ball issue that was round because it can now now you can't say well all the round stamps are for for you know for global, mail. Global that, global mail. That, is, that
1: is true and i i had thought that thought crossed my mind the other day when i When Tom and I were discussing the poinsettia stamp, I thought, hey, they just came out with a set of balls. (laughs) But anyway, interesting fact about the poinsettia is that uh, if it's grown in nature in a sunny environment, the leaves don't turn red. They have to be grown in the dark for the leaves to turn red. And so these things are grown in the dark. So they're more fitting of haunted get, houses than they are... Yeah, to get ready for
2: Christmas. I'm, going, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh-oh. That was not interesting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about uh, the old Vic stamps that were released last week, but we missed one. Um, on August 16th, the UK also issued a set of uh, stamps featuring uh, Captain Cook's adventures and the Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, marking the 250th anniversary of Captain Cook setting sail on one of the greatest voyages dis- of discovery of all time. Took off with nearly 100 men, including astronomers, artists, and scientists. And it's uh, it's an interesting set. There's a set for Captain Cook, and then there's also um, a set for the Endeavor that's got... Uh, Captain Cook mostly features, um, I guess, some of the artists and stuff. I haven't really gotten a good look at it. Uh, There's one with a sextant, some with different plant life and stuff like that, and they all have different uh, people on them. And then the Endeavor ones are actually locations. Um, Well, one's a a map. Well, one's a map. Looks like Australia, I would guess. More the other three are uh, landscape-type designs. And we're going to wrap up with some uh, upcoming shows. If you happen to be in uh, any of these areas, you can stop by a stamp show if you didn't already know they were happening. Uh, August 24th and 25th this weekend is the Greater Kansas City Stamp Show, uh, which is going to be in Gladstone, Missouri. Um, We'll have the information up on our website for where it is. Also, the Airpec show this weekend as well, August 24th and 25th, is going to be in Dayton, Ohio. And the fourth Sunday collectible show in New Haven, Connecticut, is going to be August 26th in
2: New Haven. You missed one. The most important? Yeah, did I? Which one is that? Stamp show here today. The greatest stamp show on a monthly basis by far, the Las Vegas stamp show fourth Sunday of every month, is going to be uh, August 27th or 26th? Oh, that would be the 25th. 25th. Okay, 25th. Do I hear 26? 26 going once, going twice. Sold to 25. Is it? I think it's the 26th. Well, <laughs> well, I think it's the 32nd. Of, of, of course it's the 26th. The 25th is Saturday. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Las Vegas, it's at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn, uh, right south of the Strip. Uh, you can we were gonna hang meet- out at the casinos and come on down and buy some stamps and say hi to all of us.
0: Did the people that put on Airpex fight with the people who put on Airpex? I
2: I, I saw that and I go, Airpex is this weekend? No, oh, no, just no. Calling it, just calling it
3: Airpex, yeah. <laughs> Airpex. Well, that does it for us this week. Uh, Hope you enjoyed. Again, uh, we're going to be updating our website. So, stampshowheretoday.com. You'll be able to find our full show notes of the show today and also the images of the stamps we were discussing. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at, blue paper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. Keep collecting
1: stamp collecting happens when we dream together